Hello and welcome to part four of our series Greater Than on the College Age Movement podcast. We're so glad that you've taken the time to tune back in to the podcast. Uh, This week we are going to be walking through Hebrews chapter 11. We've been looking through key verses in the book of Hebrews over the last three or four weeks. And uh, we we just have had such a good time learning and discovering some new things that Jesus has been speaking, uh, most mostly about faith. This is this primary theme that the author has written to the Hebrew church about having faith and keeping the faith. And last week we talked about the faithfulness of Jesus and how we have faith because he is faithful. We have faith because of who Jesus is. And so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 this week. And the the chapter itself is actually entitled Faith in Action. So Hebrews chapter 11, jumping right into verse one, says this is now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So the first point is this, confidence in what we hope for. Contextually, we have to understand that this was being written to Hebrew people who were being persecuted because of their beliefs. The author is encouraging them to have faith and see light at the end of the tunnel. It's so easy for us to, to look at this and, and see the words of what we don't see, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, but we think about God and this this invisible God and this idea of, of who he is, but oftentimes it's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the end of the circumstance. It's the end of the situation, having faith in that end that we that we are hoping for, confidence in what we hope for. See, no matter the situation that you're in right now, we need to trust that God is going to bring us through it, that you need to trust that God is going to bring you through it. You're hoping for something today. And there's a wide range of hopes to whoever listens to this, whoever comes to college age, there's there's a wide range of hopes. And I believe that we serve a God that works in our hopes and also works through our hopes. And I'm not saying that everything we hope for will come to fruition, but but what I am saying is that I am confident that God cares enough about our hopes to engage with every single one of them. Sometimes we may see our hopes come to pass, our dreams come to pass, they might come to fruition. Sometimes God directs us to something different. And most of the time, God directs us to something better. I don't know how many times in my life there's something that I have been dreaming about, and right before I get to that thing, things shift. And God has something different, but it ends up being way better than anything that I could have ever hoped for. So my prayer is that we would be a people who are who are willing to lean into the shift that God places in our lives. That as we make plans, that we would hold on to them loosely and be people who are willing to embrace the shift. See, then it, it does say this, this is this next thing. It says, assurance of what we do not see. Assurance of what we do not see. And that can be a tall task for many of us. We don't really like the idea of having to put our trust in something that we haven't tangibly experienced. And, and for me, that's something that, that I find myself struggling with is that I'm a guy who likes to get my hands on something, to believe that it's actually happening, to actually be in the midst of an experience that, that somebody says, hey, this thing is happening or this event is happening. And and I, I sort of believe it, but I'm not fully convinced until that thing is actually happening. But when it comes to God, uh, my faith isn't based on hearsay. My faith is based on the experiences that I have had with God. And ho- I hope that you can say the same thing, either right now or in the future, that it's not based on on what somebody else would say. We would never want our faith to be based on the words of others, but on the actual relationships that we have with God. But for us to tangibly experience something, we need to put ourselves in, in holy moments with God or or dedicated moments to God. Moments like listening to a podcast or sitting on a Tuesday night in college age or a small group or a conversation or your small or your uh, your small time in the morning where you you just take thirty minutes to, to lean into scripture and pray. Whatever it may be, we need to put ourselves in those moments. See, nobody believes that that as you walk into a room or or walk into a building that the roof is gonna fall down on you. 
That's not your first thought because you know that there's support beams, you know there's structures put in place to make that building safe and secure. And the reason that you believe that is because you've been in enough buildings that the roof hasn't fallen in. And and it's kind of like our relationship with God that we need to be people who who understand and get around God enough that, that just as a building works as you step into it, just as something functions the way that you believe that it should, God is going to function in the way that you believe that he should when you get around him enough that you would understand how God works. But it's very hard for us to understand how God works if we're not willing to put ourselves around God. And so we need to be people who are tangibly putting ourselves, practically putting ourselves in situations with God each and every day. And then Hebrews chapter 11 says this, is or chapter 11 verse 2 says this, it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. This is what the ancients were commended for. And, and the, the, the message actually has, this is the, what the ancients, this is what our ancestors, this is what distinguished them, this is what set them apart. That's how it would say it. And so a question that I would have today is this, is your faith a distinguishing trait? Is our faith a distinguishing trait? Distinguish means to tell apart. And so the question that we have to ask is, can we tell the difference between people with faith? Can we see the difference in ourselves? Would people be able to look at us and say, hey, I can, I can set you apart, that there is something different about you, that your faith has set you apart, that you believe no matter what in this God that you serve. And it is a distinguishing trait. It is something that I, I define you as, or I am defined as, and I want to be somebody who is defined and identified and distinguished by my faith. What we are going to see in the following verses is all these incredible men and women who, because of faith, God did incredible things through them. They put themselves in alignment with the belief that God was going to come through. And I think that we need to ask ourselves the question, do we believe that God is going to come through? Are we a people of great faith or are we a people of great worry? And if I'm honest with myself, it's probably like a 50-50 split that there are moments where I have great faith, but there's also a lot of moments where I have great worry. And I want to be a person who, who runs away from worry and runs into confidence of God, that I believe that God is going to come through, that I believe that Jesus is going to be who he said he is and who is going to do what he said he is going to do. You see, my prayer should be that, that I'm individually recognized as a person of great faith. And we should pray that we are collectively recognized as a people of great faith. And no matter the circumstances, we never question the goodness of God. There's this story in the Old Testament, and it's something that I come back to so often because I think it's one of the most impactful stories in all of Scripture. And it's the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's found in the book of Daniel chapter 3. And one of the things that, that we have to remember is that that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a foreign land where they were being asked to bow to a golden statue of the king, and that if they didn't do it, they were going to be thrown into a furnace, they were going to be burned alive, and at the risk of great pain, they stayed faithful because they knew that God was who he said he is. They believed that God was good. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then this is the key part. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. You've probably seen this this quote that comes from this passage all over every Pinterest board on the face of the planet. But it just says, and even if not, he's still good. 
And if not, he is still good. And I think that's such an, a, a powerful phrase to understand that, that God is in the business of engaging with our hopes and our dreams. But if he doesn't show up in the way that we think he's going to show up, that's okay. He's still good and having confidence in the goodness of God. You see, God had made promises to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God had made promises to their people. They were set apart by something they couldn't see, and God used their faith to inspire the faith of others. If you're not familiar with how this story ends, is that they get thrown into the furnace after making that statement. And then there's a fourth person that just shows up in the flames, and it's this angel of God or Jesus himself. We're not fully sure, but there's this fourth image of a man standing in the fire, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego step out of the fire unharmed, and their faith saved them. But even more than that, their faith inspired the faith of other people, that the same king who threw them into the furnace was the king that said, your God is the God that I want to serve. And that an entire nation's faith was changed because of the confidence that they had in God. And my hope is that the same would be said of us someday, that people would look at College Age Movement, they'd look at Faith Chapel, they'd look at us as individuals, and they say, hey, your faith inspired me to have my own faith. And then Hebrews chapter 11 goes on to say in verse 6, it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he, re- he rewards those who earnestly seek them. And then once again, the message says, and he is willing to respond to each one of our prayers and petitions. And so the question that I want to ask is, do we believe? Do you actually believe? Do I believe in God enough to approach him in every circumstance? And do I believe that he cares enough to respond. And I think that many of us would say that we believe in God enough to bring things to him. The harder part is believing that he truly cares enough to respond in some way. You see, that that's where our faith shifts. It's not just about sending up empty prayers, but actually expecting a response. And like we kind of already said, is that those responses might look different than we expect, but we should believe that God is always going to respond to our prayers and petitions. You see, what, what changed my prayer life was an experience that I had in Brazil when I was 18. That we were in this place called Garbage Mouth in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we were praying for people. And I was with a guy named Tiago. He was only a year older than me. He was half my size, and yet we were in like the sketchiest place, one of the sketchiest places in all the world. Like it, Literally, there's dead people in the gutters. People are dying left and right. There is crime. There is so much pain. It is just absolutely destitute. And, and I was 18, and I was terrified, but I had this guy, this local, who was confident that we were okay, and so I just was like on Tiago's co- coattails. And I remember praying for this guy, and through translation, we find out his story. And his story is that he has been diagnosed with a terminal illness and he, he has days to live and he looks like he has days to live. And so I remember that I got to pray, pray for him first. And, and I, I prayed that he would have comfort. I prayed that, that the pain that he should feel because the disease would not, not happen, that, that the Lord would take his pain away and that he would go peacefully and quickly. And that, that was my prayer. That was my big faith prayer. But then Tiago steps in and in Portuguese, he just starts praying this massive prayer He said, Lord, I pray for miraculous healing. Lord, I pray that this man would live for another 40 years. I pray that you would take every illness out of his body. I pray these big, dangerous prayers. I remember standing there being like, what kind of faith do I have if I pray for comfort as Tiago is praying for healing? I want to pray like that. I want my expectations to be bigger. I want my expectations to be greater. And I don't want God's response to be a little comfort. I want God's response to be something miraculous. You see, God isn't a genie. He's not Mr. Fix-It. 
But I have seen God throughout my life do the miraculous. And I have seen him do the seemingly insignificant. Now, I don't know what happened with this guy. I don't know if he, he's going to end up living for another 40 years or if he passed away the next day. I, I don't know. But, but what I do know is that God does incredible things and God does little things. And my hope is that I understand that we understand that both are of the utmost importance. The big miraculous things and the little what seem may be insignificant in our mind things are happening and we need to know they're both absolutely vital. So then comes verses about these just incredible faith-filled people. And we're going to kind of go through them rapid fire. Verse 7, verse 8, and verse 11. Verse 7 says this, says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And then verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And then verse 11 says, And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And that takes us back to last week, that Sarah believed that it was going to happen. She had faith because she knew that God was faithful. She knew that the one making the promise was worth listening to. And then verses 13 through 16 goes on to say this, and it talks about these people of great faith, these heroes. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive what they promised, what was promised to them. They only saw them, and then they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So the next point today is this, the pursuit of something more. The pursuit of something more. Every one of these heroes of faith understood that their goal was not to attain anything on earth. Eternity mattered more. Eternity mattered more. They were all human beings. They had their own hopes and their own dreams and they had wants and desires and yet they were willing to put those things behind. They were willing to put those things on hold and they were willing to look ahead to eternity. And I think one of the biggest problems that we have as human beings is perspective. We fail to find a happy medium between the future and the present. It's truly a human condition. We either get so focused on the future that we don't deal with the present or we focus so much on the present that we get stuck and forget that there's a future to be had. Now, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you're listening to this, the call is to focus on eternity. Because if our aim is to serve God and serve people, to love God and to love people so well that they encounter Jesus, everything's going to work out. Because if we are eternity-minded people, our present will be okay. If we are eternity-minded people, our future will be okay. So we always want to be rooted in eternity. We always want to be focused on eternity because it covers every single thing. It's so easy for us to look at the word eternity and we look at the future and we say the eternity is far from now, but eternity encompasses everything. Eternity is right now until forever. Eternity is also right now until forever. So every moment, eternity still encompasses this. We want to be eternity-minded. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we have to be eternity-minded. If you don't follow Jesus, I hope that you would engage with Jesus in a new and fresh way, that you'd start to have conversations and understand that, that your present is really important, that the decisions that you make today are really important, and that Jesus wants you to engage with him right now. The next passages point out more key characters. It talks about Joseph. It talks about Moses. And then it ends the chapter in verses 39 and 40, and it says this, these were all commended for their faith. All these people were commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. 
So the last point today is this, a promise fulfilled, a promise fulfilled. The commentary in my Bible says this, and I think it's better than anything that I could come up with on my own. It simply says this, as God had planned something better, the fulfillment for them as for us is in Jesus. It's in Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. Only together with us would they be made perfect. All persons of faith who had gone before focused their faith on God and his promises. The fulfillment of God's promise to them has now come in Jesus Christ, and their redemption too is now complete in him. You see, they were faithful because they believed that God's word would come to pass. They were faithful because they believed that God's word would come to pass. We're called to be faithful because God's word has come to pass. They were faithful because they believed that it would come. We believe because it has come. What I find really frustrating is that I have a harder time having faith in a savior that has already come than generations of people who were promised that one would come. Like Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he saved me. He forgave my sins. I'm not looking towards the future for a savior to come. My savior has already come. So I want to be a people who recognize that God has already done something so significant, the most significant thing in human history. And I never want to take it for granted. I want us to be collectively a people who recognize that God has already done that too. But I also, I want to end with this. and, And I think it's really, really important. It's so easy for us to look at the promises that God made throughout scripture and see that, that Jesus came and God fulfilled the ultimate promise. But God is still making promises today. He's making promises into your life if you would only listen. He's making promises into my life if I would only listen. And we need to be a people who believe that God is making promises and that those promises will also come to pass. That God has a 100% record on coming through. And we need to believe that for the future too. Hey, thanks again for tuning into the College Age Movement Podcast. We will wrap up the series next week with part five. And if you are in Billings, we would love to see you on Tuesday nights. We think it's so important that we do life together in community. So we hope to see you seven o'clock on Tuesday nights. If not, hope this podcast is still really helpful and that it gives life. We love you guys and we'll talk to you really soon.